Hey everyone, it's Brianna. And this is Gwen. And you're listening to The The Page Turner. Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Page Turner. As always, I'm Brianna. I'm Gwen. And welcome, it's a new year. It's 2019. Um, We hope you guys had a wonderful time celebrating with your friends and family last month. And um, we are really excited to begin a new year. Yeah. New year, new us. Yes, new year, new us. Um, we hope you can tell <laughs> the uh, sound quality of our production has substantially increased. <laughs> um, One might say doubled. Yes. <laughs> but um, bum. We now, a uh, uh, little fun fact, we'll start our page perspective a little earlier. Um, before, we used one mic. Now we have two. One for each of us, so. Yes, yeah, so we don't have to fight over the mic anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, we hope that um, we're much smoother in your ears going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really excited about it. Yeah. And it happened because of your guys' support. So, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, what did we read last month? Last month, we read The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. Larson. Yes, Larson. Not like, <laughs> L- not Larson. A Larson. <laughs> Larson. <laughs> um, yeah, so Eric Larson is pretty awesome. He has written quite a collection of nonfiction books. I've read mm. a couple of them. This is actually my favorite one Okay. Um, by him. Um, and so we chose something because we wanted to do nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And the fascinating thing about this book is it's not just a story about true crime. Yes. Yeah. about the city, a city in America, a big city in America. Yeah, he really sets the scene, I guess. Well, because I feel like that's a really important part of the story. Yeah. So, like, you could, like, this murders, they couldn't have happened without everything else that was going on. Yeah, everything came together to mm-hmm. make everything happen. Yeah. Um, so it's about the history of that, along with one of the first big instances of a a killer yeah. um, in America's history. So, uh, real quick, though, I did want to say that the other two books I've read of Eric Larson are In the Garden of the Beasts, which are about World War II and the American ambassador to Germany at the time, um, and Thunderstruck, which is about the um, being able to send messages across a electric or like a, oh, I don't even know the proper term for it. <laughs> Science is not my strong suit. But it was really fascinating to listen to. And that's where like the ACDC mm-hmm. um, came from, like the electrical charges. Yeah. Are we talking um, Telegram? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Telegram. This is why. Such a good team. <laughs> not the rock and roll band. Yeah. No. ACDC. But funny. I mean, they have the popular song Thunderstruck. But and that is... Not. Yes, that is the root of the book. So it's really funny. So you was it really? Yeah, yeah. So um, that's like it's all connected. (laughs) Just that's I love nonfiction for like for that reason in general. You just find out all these things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so um, I know we said we started the page perspective a little early, but we also wanted to talk about oh yeah, like the closure and stuff and how we're you know we're just still kind of. Catching up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was surprised this year we were able to put, ev- like, organize everything quickly. Mm-hmm. So you walk in and there's just stuff everywhere in the back yeah. room. Books, CDs. We put movies. down those tarps and we're, like, picking up the pile. <laughs> yeah. Um, we mentioned that in a previous episode that that's our method. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but 
something that was interesting is people would come in full holds and we they won't be on the shelf because there were so many we had to put out yeah they weren't gonna fit yeah. so um we had to have them in little shopping carts next to the front <laughs> desk to to browse through yeah um but everyone got this yeah we're so, catching up yeah slowly but surely okay so i think without further ado let's just jump into the non-spoiler review yay so as always we yeah Yeah. like Gwen just said (laughs) non-spoiler review first yeah so um this narrative is kind of split into two stories that are interwoven um so one of them focuses on like the chicago world's fair yeah daniel burnham and his process of building the fair and how quickly they built it and just goes into the details of, like, his process and all the people he worked with. and Yeah, so I know um, I have learned that there was a couple of these World's Fair-type events yeah. um, over time. And so back, back in the day, back in the day. Um, one of the ways to get people from all over the world to come to the country and visit and hang out and spend money mm-hmm. was to throw these elaborate world fairs. They were massive. We actually have the remnants of one in San Francisco. Really? Yeah. I don't remember which one it's for, but mm-hmm. I know we do. You know those, that kind of like domed arched building that is now, I think it's a science museum, a children's oh, okay. science museum. Yes. That is from our World's Fair. That is so cool. I'm pretty sure. I, did, I had yeah. no idea that one was held. I mean, it makes sense, San Francisco, right? Yeah. And a lot of places actually still, a lot of them have remnants. It's almost like how, you know, cities will build an Olympic stadium mm-hmm. and an Olympic village exactly. just for the Olympics. And then they yeah. have the remnants of it. Except for them, it was less about, like athletics and more about like (laughs) goods and like what do we have to offer and we're amazing and like we've built all these things it's really a thing to to brag about and yeah and it went from it's not just like so imagine a normal carnival it's not just the carnival and food like people bring their own booths Mm -hmm. the um, things to show off the paintings and it was really about architecture was humongous yeah um and so um daniel burnham who was in charge of this world's fair, he mm-hmm. was the architect for the entire fair. Yeah, like he managed all of the other architects who helped him design yeah. this thing, and he managed the building of it. Which is insane. If you right. see the pictures online, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think as part of like the book cover flap and mm-hmm. stuff, you can see like part of the map, and it is just out of this world. It's I can't massive. imagine having that kind of project on it. <laughs> right. But yeah, not just America held these things. Like they were mm-hmm. all over the world. Yeah. Well, the Western world. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a pretty big thing that happened back in the day. Um, you would take boat rides across the, oh, you yeah. know, the Atlantic and across, you know. <laughs> yeah. People came from all over the place to come see these things. And, you know, people who with money came to see these things. Um, But also local people got to go and, like, enjoy and do all of that. And You'd probably be a worker. Oh, yeah. I'd I'd say for, you know, carnivals, you might have, like, a group of people that continually come in. But the the fairs were really, like, Mm -hmm. local people putting on together and showing off their city and the the country as well. And actually, like, these exhibitions would have booths and and stuff from other countries like mm-hmm. there were boats from japan and like not antarctica <laughs> the northern one <Yes. laughs> the north 
um, but like boats from everywhere. And this one in particular, this World's Fair, was to celebrate Columbus, mm-hmm. which you know we now know it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that there's still he did not discover America, and he was also like the worst kind of person. <laughs> We all know now. But, but you then, know, back then, it was exciting was and like... fresh. And this took place um, in 1890. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're a very young country. Yeah. And 1890, like, let's create who, quote, unquote, founded us. Yeah. You might say our country right now, we're in the tweens. We were yes. still, like, we're little babies, babies yes. back then. Yes. <laughs> like, maybe eight or nine years old. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's so funny to think about that. I had that realization driving yeah. home the other day, like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. we're new, a we're new country. Ready. We're fresh. So like um, Gwen said, it, this book follows two tracks, and the first is about the fair and the history, and the, probably the most fascinating fact for me was to learn that this is where the Ferris wheel mm-hmm. was sparked, and the Ferris wheel was created and built um, here for the first time as a competition too. can you believe it, drum, drum roll. The Eiffel Tower. <laughs> that was hilariously fascinating to me. Like, yeah. the Eiffel Tower is this iconic, permanent piece. Yeah. People, and, like, constantly taking fi- pictures there, like, yeah. going to visit specifically the Eiffel Tower. And for us, like, the Ferris wheels turned into this little, <laughs> like, carnival attraction. Scary ride. Like, <laughs> this, you know, yeah. And to yeah. think that that was supposed to be, like, look, you could go to Paris this summer and vacation, or you could come to the World's Fair and sit on this very dangerous <laughs> but magnificent ride. Yeah. <laughs> so it was only the year before, or sorry, a couple years before that the Eiffel Tower was presented at the World's Fair in Paris. Yeah. So it, it, it's funny, but it also is kind of a direct correlation. Like, they yeah. opened that in Paris. Like, mm-hmm. we need to be competitive when we do this thing here. But there were some challenges. Yeah, which I think we might want to save for this spoiler oh, review. Oh, good call. I yeah. So you have to continue listening to find out more about that. Um, so, and then we're going to briefly just touch over the second part um, mm-hmm. because that has a lot of spoilers. So so I don't know how familiar our listeners are with H.H. Holmes. It's not even his real name, which no, I had no idea. I didn't either. That's the only spoiler we'll give you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know serial killer in america it happened to correlate actually not just happened there were very like important factors that meant that he could do this at the same time as the world fair Mm -hmm. but yeah so we'll leave that very vague because there's a lot of detail in there that you know maybe some people might be uncomfortable with and they just want to hear the review first but also like we don't want to give too much away. Yeah, no. He just, the fair and this man are connected. And of course, we, this is not a true crime podcast. We no. will not be going into great detail. No. Um, but we will just be talking about him and how and why he's connected to the World Fair. Yeah, because, essentially. like, I knew he it defined, was a thing, yeah. but I didn't know how intertwined it was with the World Fair. Yeah, like, it's not just, like, two different subjects in this one book. It's, like, yeah. it's, it defined... 
you know, I really do like nonfiction things where they talk about a point in history, in American history especially, where so many things are going on. Mm -hmm. And like we said, we were a new country and there's so many new things that we were doing or the whole world was doing. Yeah. But that really just create ways for other things. Yeah. So, yeah. So... That's um, a little teaser for the second part. <laughs> and we're going to close out our non-spoiler review, as always, with our favorite quotes from the book. Yeah. Gwen, would you like to go first? Uh, sure. So my quote is, Great murderers, like great men and other walks of activity, have blue eyes. Which, <laughs> honestly to me, was like kind of weird. Because this is not the first time in the book that he talks about blue eyes. He really fixates on them. And oh. I just thought it was kind of weird. Like, you, why I didn't that? pick up on that. So that was really funny when you said that to me. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. No, I, like, and even by the end, I was just a little confused. It's like, there was no conclusion as to the blue eyes <laughs> thing. It was just like, whenever anyone in the story had blue eyes, he was just, like, <gasps> you know very what? specific. I do remember now. Yeah. I wonder, maybe, you know, maybe um, a lot of these things, you know, with the man, H.H. Holmes and stuff, a lot of people weren't picking up on things that were happening. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's one of those things where, or they knew something was off, but they didn't know, they couldn't possibly imagine what. Yeah. So maybe it was that uneasiness. It could be. Well, not everyone with blue eyes, you know, I have relatives with blue eyes. They're very lovely, beautiful people. Um, <laughs> I have blue eyes sometimes. <laughs> so sometimes. What does it mean? Sometimes when you. Oh, my no, eyes I mean, like, color. Is that, is that a reflection of your character? Whatever. No, no. I was sometimes to say. I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> um, but only sometimes. Yeah. So I, I maybe he was trying to just kind of build that atmosphere, that kind of notion of striking, but like. There's something beneath the surface. I have no mm. idea. But you yeah. that's so funny because you're right. That is a thing. Yeah. Um, and then mine is his weakness was his belief that evil had boundaries, um, which is very ominous. And yeah. Um, but yeah, because I, again, I think just like with every good and amazing and new invention and creation and performance mm-hmm. that human beings put on, yeah. um, that also, I think, opens the window for the other, the opposite end of the spectrum yeah. to be opened as well. I mean, yeah, history is, is um, you know, full of a great, beautiful, amazing things. And then underneath that surface, there's also other things going on that aren't yeah. so great. And with that, we're going to begin closing out our non-spoilery section with a rating, a recommendation, and our next book th- that we will be reading. So what would you give this book? I think I'd give it a 7 out of 10. What about out of 5? <laughs> out of 5? Uh, 4. I mean, for me, it's like, it's a nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And I'm not big into nonfiction. I've been reading more of it recently. Just, you know, trying to expand yeah. m- my reading base. Um as far as nonfiction goes, it's it's pretty good yeah. for me. Like, I had no problem listening to the whole thing, but I did have moments where I would sort of space out because I <laughs> listened to the audiobook, which actually was narrated by Scott Brick, and he's very good. Oh, okay, like, yeah. as a recording person. So if you're thinking about listening to it instead of reading, he did a good job. Okay, cool. Um, good tip. It's about 15 hours. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> so go on a road trip. Yeah. Um, I did have moments where I, like, zoned out and was yeah. like, oh, 
now I gotta go back and find where I like yeah. stopped listening because there were moments where it kind of dragged. Yeah, for me. But overarching, it was very good. I thought it was very interesting the subjects and how he interwove everything and made them all like make sense together because like on one hand you're thinking world's fair murderer how do they mix <laughs> like, like why yeah why are these together in one story why aren't they in two separate stories and he did a really good job of mixing the two and making it have it make sense yeah so that's high yeah. praise from a nonfiction reader. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a five-star review. When I um, when I first read it, rereading now that I've read other things, I it's like a 4.8 Yeah. Um, for me. Just when I read it, I was just getting back into reading a lot, so. Sorry, I just realized I gave, like, I went out of ten and so yeah. we're doing a five, like, out of five stars. <laughs> yeah, like, you could have just divided yeah. by, like, two. Yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh, but I was like, but I love that waiting, so I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> love that. Um, and then if you uh, like this book or if we think you might like this book, um, another book we'd recommend, or if you've read the one that we're about to recommend, then you might like this book. Yeah. Um, what's yours, Gwen? Mine is Killers of the Flower Moon, the Osage County Murders, or sorry, not County, the Osage Murders and the Birth of the FBI by David Gran. I actually picked that up thinking it was a fiction book. I oh. listened to it, and for the first like fourth of it, I thought it was like still a fiction. I'm like, hmm, this is a very interesting way to write a fiction book. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually is also a nonfiction, and it's very good if you're you know, chill listening about murders. Then. Yeah, if you like true crime true and stuff crime. like that. And it had a very similar kind of tone, mm. um, which I found very interesting. So I would suggest that one. Cool. And then mine is The Professor and the Madman, A Tale of Murder, <laughs> Insanity, and The Making of the Oxford Dictionary. And it's by Simon Winchester, who is also a very popular and well-known nonfiction writer. He um, also wrote a book um, on Krakatoa, a volcano, and its eruption and the way it affected its people, its villagers that live nearby. Um, I also, so I've read that one, and then I'm going to read as well um, A Crack in the Edge of the World, which is about the San Francisco earthquake, I believe, like the big one. There's been a couple. (laughs) Um, But the most recent really really big one the one in the 80s yes okay. yeah um so yeah so i'm really excited to get to that and i've really loved his work and again the professor and the madman so who, something that sounds really boring the creation of the oxford dictionary mm-hmm. was really fascinating because of the people and the man behind it um trying to create this big project which is essentially a dictionary which is wild to me yeah um and it's surprisingly a very short book too i'd say it's about 200 pages so um yeah, uh, definitely check that out. <laughs> um, and then the next book we're going to be reading, I am so excited for it. We're going to be doing <laughs> a kid's book. Yeah. And this book... From now, your childhood. Yes. I don't remember if we mentioned, though, Harry Potter at all on the podcast. I'm sure I, at some point. I, yeah. I mean, knowing us. <laughs> yeah. But this book, to me, was, I think, is so well-written. I think it's better written than Harry Potter. Harry Potter has an amazing world. Like, Mm -hmm. that world defined, like, so many childhoods, including my own. But 
the storyline. I think this is one of the best kids' book, and of course we have it here in the library. Mm-hmm. So please check it out, and um, I'd say a middle schooler, 7th, 8th grade, I think it'd be really a great fantasy adventure book to read with your kids. So we're going to read just book one, um, which is called The Merchant of Death, and um, by DJ McHale. It's the Pendragon series. Yes, the Pendragon series. Oh, yeah. So Pendragon, Merchant of Death, book one. Um, and the author actually, um, Once Upon a Time, uh, worked on the Are You Afraid of the Dark TV show. Oh, okay. And all that sounds really uh, serious and like a serious topic again, like this mm-hmm. one is, but it's not. Um, it is still a children's it's book. It's a children's so. book. Yeah, it's still a children's <laughs> book. deals with a lot of great themes, um, but I just think it's absolutely well written. So, so yeah. enough of that. I just, I love this book so much. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so without further ado, let's get into the... Spoilery section. Yeah. Uh, so turn off the podcast <laughs> if you don't want to know. Like, if you're waiting to read this book, turn it off now. Um, Throw your phone across the room. Yeah. Chuck your laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Just panic. <laughs> Pure panic. We'll give you a few seconds. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. yeah. Woo. Okay, so we're going to do the same thing we did in the non-spoilery section. So start with the first portion, which is about the world's fair and the Ferris wheel and... Um, give a little bit more spoilers yeah. regarding that. So I think some of the things that I found really interesting is, like, how competitive it was. Mm. That, like, basically the entire time they were going about it, they were thinking about how it would compare to the one that had just happened in France where, you know, the Eiffel Tower was built and it was a massive thing. And it was, like, one of the tallest structures at that point. Which is so wild when you think about how right. big buildings we right. have now. like And how small it like it is compared to our just everyday pe- buildings that people work in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was just like how competitive it was. Like every step of the way. And they had like a competition for people to send in. Yes. I forgot uh, about that. Designs yeah. for things to compare to exactly like the Eiffel Tower specifically. And people kept designing like all wooden structures that are a high. Like, th- I think there was one that was like a cabin, <laughs> but it was like a skyscraper cabin with a little bar, like a, not a barn, but like a cabin on top where you could go and eat like cabin food. <laughs> cabin it sounds food. frightening. To I me. know, right? And I was a just, wooden structure that big. Seriously. And, like, somebody legit turned that in and expected to win <laughs> and, like, have to build this yeah. giant cabin. I guess cabin. You, you miss 100% of shots you don't take. So exactly. I guess they were shooting the shot. Props to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Live your oh. life. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, but it ended up the guy who won was... I don't remember his first name, but Ferris was his last. Yes, hence the Ferris wheel. A giant wheel. Last name Ferris. And, um, I mean, there's just the amount of people that died or had accidents putting together this Ferris. I mean, people will say, like, you don't hear about the people that are hurt building the Olympic stadiums. Yeah. But you don't hear about that. But every time one is built, a lot of people lose their lives. Yeah. Well, it's... Partially, I feel like it's the speed at which these mm. things are built. Because as we were saying earlier, a lot of these world fairs are very similar to the Olympic stuff. And they're all built in like two or three year periods. And this one actually had less time. Yeah. And it wasn't even finished when they opened. Like the Ferris wheel 
wasn't working when they opened the fair, <laughs> which they freaked out about because they were hoping that that would really increase how many people came. Mm-hmm. And actually, they did have a lot of trouble early on getting the attendance that they needed in order to, like, pay for the fair. <laughs> like, yeah. Because can you, you can imagine, like, building this massive complex and, like... Building a city, essentially. Essentially a- building a city in the middle of a city and then you know, all the people that worked there and all, like, it was Providing very food expensive. every day. Exactly. Like- and this was actually a time right at the beginning of the Depression, the Great Depression. Yeah. Which became a whole thing towards the end of yeah. the book. But, yeah. So spending all that money. <laughs> all that money, right. <laughs> Not getting it back in yeah. full. Um, but ultimately they did. And it yeah. did build a tent, bring more yeah. attendance. Ultimately, they, the Ferris wheel opened, attendance, like, skyrocketed. And, you know, there was also a couple of factors about, like, they weren't allowed to be open on Sundays, which for a lot of people who worked in the city, that was their only day off. Yeah. So they, it was a whole thing. Yeah. But they did it. They, they, <laughs> they came got through. It. Yeah. So what does this have to do with um, the first um, reported or first thought of serial killer in the United States. Well, H.H. H. Holmes used the World's Fair as a cover mm-hmm. to lure, lure people in um, to dispose of them. Yeah. So um, he was a pharmacist and he um, built a practice in Jackson Park, which is where the fair was held. And he rented the place out. He put secret passageways, hallways, chutes, um, and he was able to as time went on, buy out the space mm-hmm. in, so his it shop was like was an like, entire block. Yeah, a, a whole block. Like, his shop was at the bottom of, like, yeah. you know when people live above shops? Yeah. And, like, um, if you're from around here, then you could think, like, oh, like, well, even in... Like Santana Row. Yeah, Santana Row, and even in yeah. Los Gatos themselves, there's some yeah. buildings above shops. So he did that, and he built these secret passageways in the rooms and he would rent the rooms out specifically to young women because this was one of the first times that women could travel on their own. Yeah. So they or were, did anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah did. Because <laughs> um, they could get jobs. Yeah. And he turned away men mm-hmm. who wanted to rent the space because he was very specifically targeting women, uh, people who were vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And he built this entire like labyrinth underneath the building mm. to this massive basement complex where he would like dispose of bodies and kill people and it yeah. was frightening dark um but yeah it's so sad because you know women were so excited yeah. to get jobs and i'm gonna go to the fair and i'm gonna yeah. work and be independent and um he really took advantage of that vulnerability and he yeah. would even forge letters mm-hmm. home yeah because he'd say oh you can work in my pharmacy and you can live up above and I'll take your letters mm-hmm. and just, yeah, of course you can write to your parents. So they'd write for a while and then he'd start forging them and then he'd lie and say, well, I don't know, she left, I don't know where she is. Yeah. Or, and um, he was very ca- charismatic. Yes. So, like, nobody questioned it for a long time. If you want to know how charismatic, I don't know what he actually, well, you could look up what he actually looked like, but yeah. there's been talks to do a movie for years now mm-hmm. with... One of my favorite actors, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> so imagine Leonardo DiCaprio is like, yeah, like, I've got a pharmacy here that's perfect. You can work for me. And the fair is, like, blocks away. You'd be mm-hmm. like, awesome. Yeah. How lucky am I? Well, and he dodged, like... Uh, creditors. Creditors for 
even Ew. before the fair oh, happened yeah. because it took a long time for him to build this complex yeah. that he was making like it basically they, what did they call it like his castle yeah um and it took him years to build it and he did it in such a way like he was very intelligent oh yeah very smart and, and patient very charismatic yeah patient and like it took him a long time to build this thing and but he was very dedicated yeah um, so you have on the backdrop of all of this, and we have so many we, um, mm-hmm. ways to find people and communicate with people now, like doing this amazing fair that's going on. So let's just list a couple of the things to kind of wrap up everything this book talks about. You have the fair, mm-hmm. you have the Ferris wheel, you have women getting to go out and get jobs and leave home and live away from home. Yeah, um, and be independent. And it be allowed. For like the first be, time ever, yeah, really. Yeah, and it be acceptable. Yes. Like not just... Like, they're not it's just not rebels doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they were supported by their families in doing this dream. And then you have all these women missing. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these people working on the thing dying. And then you have scandals with actually the mayor of Chicago. Um, yeah. And then you have, you know, the workers. And then you have this beautiful new structure. Yeah. Um, which transforms America's carnival and yeah. um, fair scene. Um, so you have all of that going on in this book. It was a very good, like, presentation of all of the wonders people can create and all of the terrible wonders that people can also create. So it's like, you have this magnificent white city, but there's, you know, also people have this great potential to be awful. And to take advantage. And take advantage of of people. Like, with every... Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time with every great new invention. Yeah. There's someone thinking, how can I twist this? How can I use this? Against people or to harm people. So I thought it was a very good story about the potential, both positively and negatively, of human beings. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And the book goes into more detail about Mm -hmm. his... Um, his methods, quote unquote, um, yeah. and stuff like this, but very fascinating and yeah, a great little snippet of American history in one of America's greatest cities. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, we hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Um, hope you're uh, working on those news resolutions. Yeah, and your holidays were good. Yes, and your New Year's is even better. Yes. All of that. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Um, and again, next time we'll be reading Pendragon, uh, Merchant of Death, which is book one in a kid series that we have here. You can come pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to reread it. So yeah, um, yeah tune in with us uh, next, next time, time. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Bye. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or on our webpage via direct RSS feed. We would be very grateful if you would subscribe or write a review wherever you listen. Thank you all for listening. This has been The Page Turner. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the Los Gatos Library or the town of Los Gatos.